0: We're in a series on community, um, and so we're going to continue that this morning. Um, last week, we looked, about, I looked at that Gallup poll that said that Americans are some of the most lo- lonely people on the planet, and it's just the irony of it, right? Like, that we're more connected than ever, yet we're more lonely than ever, and so we spent some time talking about what that means, what community is, what community isn't, that community isn't connectivity, because again, we are connected more than ever, and yet we're lonely. Uh, community is not chemistry. It's not just... Um, Being around people that are just like us. That would be a selfish view of community. But recognizing that community is a, a gift of committing to one another. Choosing to care for one another and choosing to grow and follow Jesus. That's what Christian community is. And so coming out of the pandemic and kind of getting into more normalcy, and I know community has been hard coming out of that, we want to just press reset together. We want to be able to actually connect and reconnect as a body around community. So that's why we're spending some time talking about that last week and this week. And so I wanted to invite Jared and Sarah Carr up here. Uh, Jared and Sarah uh, previously led a community group. Uh, You guys can give them a hand. They've led a group in the past, they've been a part of a group before, and so just wanted to give a, a testimony of what's uh, stood out to them when it comes to community and community groups. Hello, are you with child? Congratulations! Oh, is it not on? Is it on? <clears throat> yep. It's, uh, there it is.
1: Sarah and Jared, car, kind of like a car you drive, right? But with a K and two R's, so we confuse. It says the same. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Tesla and yes. Tesla. We and actually don't drive a car. Oh. Confusing. So. I'm just kidding. I'm riffing off of what good. that said If you're last here last week, week we, we, have, that's like a, a we have a van and an SUV, but you know, it's okay. You can still okay. Anyway, just had to say that for them over here. Um, but yeah, so Jared and I have been a part of a community group for four years now, which is really crazy to think about. Our roles have changed. We've led a couple years, and now we're members. Um, and our community group has been doing life together. So it's it, it looks different every week, but even just on a community level, um, my role as a working mom to a stay-at-home mom, I've just been blessed by the other stay-at-home moms in our group. Just this week, just feeling blessed by us going to the park together and one of the other girls initiating that in our group knowing that it's it's hard to do life alone with your child so redefining what it looks like to you it takes a village together um has been really really cool but we've done um book studies topical studies uh things like that you get to choose as your group um but we definitely encourage everyone to be a part of a group it's been really really awesome we look forward to wednesdays um Don't know if it's happening this year, but another blessing was child care provided. It is. Spoiler alert. Very exciting. Um, That has also changed in the last four years, which has been awesome. Just to be able to come here and have that avenue to just be um, with like-minded Christian individuals and study the word without kids saying, Mommy, 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 you know. So um, that's been a blessing. But Jared's going to wrap everything I said up into a beautiful bow. (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, I think I would just say, uh, as you're looking to just commit to the consistency of community group. It's a lot of C's right back to back, to back but commit to it. Um, we have been a part of groups for four years, and it has been a huge blessing in our lives. Um, I know that life is busy. Um, the last two years, life has gotten a little weird. Uh, we did a whole year on Zoom community group, and that is a wild time. Um, <laughs> Don't recommend it, but it was we did it, so um and I think it's easy to uh with busy lives and, and and differing schedules, it's easy to take group and just kick it to next year and think i'll I'll do this next year um, but don't do that. jump in now um it It is such a blessing to just get involved with like minded people right now. I mean we are broken people meeting together that need Jesus on a weekly daily basis, I mean really daily basis but it's just a weekly reminder that we are the salt of the earth and we need each other to push us uh, to look to Jesus and just to do life together um, and that's what it is you're doing life together you're, you're, we go through ups and downs and there's people there to celebrate, there's people there to pray uh, and to be for, be there with you so if you're on the fence, get off the fence and join a community group get
0: off the fence, good job thank you guys, fantastic, appreciate it Good, good reminder. So yes, our hope is uh, next week we're going to introduce all of our group leaders and have an opportunity <laughs> to connect within those groups. And so, this morning I want to begin here. What comes into your mind when you think about family? Like maybe you go to like Family Matters. Anybody watch that growing up? Fantastic. TGI Friday. You go there. Maybe it's just your own family, the quirkiness of your own family, the the good of that, the difficult of that. Maybe you go to pain points. Maybe you go to points of just joy and celebration we can go to a variety of different things but amidst the awkwardness and the quirkiness of family there's this baseline within family it's commitment there's something about like being connected to somebody in family that you're committed to one another in a really beautiful way and I want to talk about that this morning I want to talk about community as family this morning I'll say this that in the first century Jesus gave a profound vision about community and he likened this community to a family He likened community to family. Community and family were, uh, they were wrapped together. They were married together in the first century. It seems sentimental in our day, but actually it's pretty radical to think about. And so I want to, I got three points for you and I want to consider a few things. The first is this, that the New Testament provides an incredible vision for family. We see it in Matthew chapter 12. Again, we can just gloss over like the implications of what this means Um, and I'm going to try to break it down for us. In Matthew 12, at the very end, in verse 46, we read this. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his, what's that word say? Okay, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I I know for some, community is just a wound. And Lord, I pray that this vision would help be a balm of healing. Lord, I pray that you would Reset our hearts around your vision, not ours, your vision of what community looks like. And I pray you'd invite us into something deeper than ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. So we read this, and this is scandalous. Like what Jesus just said here in this first century moment is a scandalous thing for Jesus to say. My family is not biological. My family is built upon those who follow me. That's a scandalous statement to make. See, Jesus is introducing a provocative, familial vision for community. He's shifting what people thought community to be. See, what Jesus is implying is staggering. In this context, there was no greater allegiance. In this day, there was no greater allegiance in this day than the allegiance of family. And Jesus is shifting it on its head. And he's saying, no, there's actually a deeper allegiance than even family. He's not downplaying the value of family. We know throughout the New Testament that he cares deeply for family and marriage and parenting and all of that. But he's shifting this vision of what community is as family. He's putting a priority to this community over the allegiances of his day. Again, not minimizing family, but introducing a familial vision that is created through his death, resurrection, and the birth of his church. There's a book called When the Church Was Family by a guy named Joseph Hellerman. And in this book, he creates a vision for uh, family that is likened to the first century. And it's this picture of care and support in the Mediterranean culture of the first century. And he says this in the book, the Mediterranean family should markedly inform our understanding of Christian community. Since the idea that we are brothers and sisters in Christ constitutes the fundamental conceptual point of departure for coming to grips with God's social vision for his church, we must learn to grasp the way in which brother would resonate with someone in the first century. So what he's saying is throughout the New Testament, when you hear Paul and the other writers talk about brothers and sisters, and these, as they introduce letters, they're always using this famil- familiar language. He's recreating, this, this author is reminding us that this vision of family that Jesus presented and the church presented in the first century is something that's counter to anything that we know about. It's this, this vision of deep commitment and care. He likened this community to a family. And so you leave the gospels and you enter into the rest of the new testament you enter into the epistles which are letters written from different people to different churches and within those you see a continuation of the same theme of care and family and commitment that you heard from jesus that we just read the new testament epistles are lathered with this emphasis of community being family see over and over again we are reminded of this need for one another like you just said, that there is no churchless Christian in the first century. There was always a vision of people doing this faith journey together, not alone. So, this is what's interesting. In, in the New Testament, 59 times, not two, not six, 59 times in the New Testament, we hear this phrase, one another. Everybody say one another. 59 times those two words are repeated and repeated and repeated throughout the new testament i read this last year to us but i want us to feel that there's a weight that helps us recalibrate upon the the vision that the new testament's offering to us about community being family and i want to kind of put aside what you think of as community my people, my tribe, chemistry, connectivity. Let's push it to the side and allow the New Testament to define or maybe redefine to us what a biblical understanding of community is. So I'm going to read these to you. Um, The good news is that 16 of them are the same phrase, and so it's not going to be as long as you might think. But I I want you just to feel, if you need to close your eyes because you're just hyper-distracted, you can do that. But I want to just read these little phrases that we hear throughout the New Testament. And it's just this drum. This is this drumbeat that carries throughout the New Testament, reminding us over and over again, this is community. This is community. This is community. community." And it helps us reset on what community is and therefore what it isn't. So 16 times we hear this phrase... Love one another. The next, again, you should, I, I think it might be on the screen potentially. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to read all the references. You can look at those. If you want to have all these, email me and I'll send them to you. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. That was a good burp. Just call it what it is. Don't be sorry. We like babies in here. We all heard it. I mean, it's full. It's good. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love, and it goes on to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interest of one another. Bear with one another, teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, stir up, provoke, or stimulate one another to love and good deeds, good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. I mean, what's the point, right? Are we getting getting the message here? Like there's this emphasis, this radical, scandalous emphasis of the church being family, of church caring for one another, supporting one another, loving one another, comforting one another. I mean, we just read it all. This vision of what it looks like to be the church with each other. See, the New Testament is reminding us of the family of Jesus, that he's created our need for one another. See, in the first century, Jesus gave a profound vision about community, and he likened that community to a family. See, when we don't understand this vision for church as family, we end up having a very selfish view of community. It's all about me and what I need and what I want. And it ends there, and if it ends there, we miss the beautiful point of serving and giving ourselves to one another for the good of the family to see us flourish together. There are these two, two stellar quotes, one by a North African bishop, Cyprian, and then the next by Charles Spurgeon. The first, he says this, No one can have God for his father who does not have the church for his mother. I mean, we need each other. We need the gift of support and care to have each other's back to make sure that we're able to flourish. This life is too hard to do this on our own. It is too hard to navigate faith and the difficulties and all you hear on social media and all the concerns that are arising. And it seems like everybody in the church is now deconstructing. And there's nobody that's actually following Jesus anymore. And we just need, brothers and sisters, to breathe upon our own souls, to do faith and follow Jesus together. Like, we need it. We can't do this thing on our own. We are desperately in need. Uh, Like like the car said to to, uh, Drew, I don't remember who it was, but, but linking arms with each other and actually following Jesus together. Like we desperately need the support of each other to flourish. And that's the definition. That's the vision that the New Testament gave us to begin with. And so somewhere along the way, we lost sight of this. And somewhere along the way in our own uh, pursuit of individualism, we've separated from the original vision of Jesus' design to care for each other as this vision of family. So what's the point? Jesus made it clear that you need each other to follow Jesus. And the New Testament provides this incredible vision of what family looks like. And yes, we've missed it along the way. Sunday's not just about an event where we show up to and we leave. This is a, an expression as we gather to remember the story of Jesus. As we gather, we take communion, we sing, we hear the scripture, we see each other. And it's also, it's not, that's not the end of church. That's the beginning of church. Church is family, it's community together. This is what we've been saved into. This picture, not a bunch of silos, but one family following Jesus, caring for each other. So again, you see in the point, first point, that the New Testament provides an incredible vision for community as family. Second, our cultural moment, where we live, the day and age we live, is providing a polarizing vision for community. And again, we got to just call it what it is because if we don't know what is competing, this vision of uh, family that Jesus provided is competing against it, we'll actually get sucked into the very thing that we're hearing all the time. The dilemma that we have to grapple with is that we are taught to believe that individual freedom is what will make us happy. And so we're taught that if I just had my individual freedom, if I didn't have to submit to commit to somebody else, and I can just live my own life, and it works out that in my own selfish vision of, of community, that, that I, 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 if, if you can uh, help me and I'll leverage your relationship to get what I want, it's just such a sad view of what community can be. If our view of individual freedom is the highest goal in our life, then we will not be able to submit to this vision of community as family. You cannot seek for individual freedom and submit to the value of community as family simultaneously. One has to submit to the other. You can't have both. The view of family has been hijacked, hijacked thinking to believe that we can do this alone. We're fed this warped view of autonomy that makes us think that our self-freedom will provide the most amount of of happiness, which is why we don't commit. Because we, we're we guarding our self-freedom at all costs. We're trying to guard and set up self-freedom because if we have self-freedom, we think we'll get happiness and always leads in a dead end it always leads us hollow. But we think that if we have this, because this is what we're taught, if we have this, we win. But the invitation of Jesus is to give that up. To actually lay down your life for another. Can you lay down your life for another and be autonomous? You can't. Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's what the definition is for us. We've been socialized to believe that our own dreams, our own goals, and our own personal fulfillment ought to take precedent over the well-being of the community. So our needs now drive the ship, and we must reset. Along the way, we are living in this wave of deconstruction that we experience where, where uh, we might feel on ourselves or we might know other people that are, which supports the notion of autonomy. The idea is that people who once believed something decide to deconstruct those ideas, now rethinking long-standing beliefs that they maybe once had and there are some good there. It is there there are aspects if you do it in community and your vision ultimately is to reconstruct upon Jesus as the foundation, there's some good to to consider if there are things that you believe that aren't in, in line with what Jesus is. But I find that the road of deconstruction that doesn't have a plan for the Bible and doesn't have a plan for community to help them reconstruct will always um, always end worse than you realize. That road without the Bible and without community always will lead you worse than you realize. See, part of the perils of deconstruction is that many begin to throw the baby out with the bathwater, specifically around the church. So you have frustrations with the church and then you end up rejecting the church altogether, forgetting the invitation that the New Testament provides about doing faith and following Jesus with one another. I know for myself, I'm secondarily... uh, given to tradition and first given to what jesus commanded of us and we see that this is what he commanded of us See, navigating through pain within the church is real but oftentimes that frustration can lead you to think that you are capable of having church by yourself and in doing this you're reverting back to the very orphan that you were just rescued from again we are invited into a family because we've been adopted into a family there's a popular influencer who has been deconstructing and kind of doing that over social media, uh, specifically around their vision of the church. And I mentioned this some last year, but I'll repeat. Uh, And she, she summarized her, I won't share the name, but summarizing her view of the church here. She said this, church to me right now feels like my best friends, my porch bed, my children and parents and siblings. It feels like Uh, meditation and my pecan trees it feels like my kitchen my table porch it feels like Jesus who never asked me to meet him anywhere but in my heart I'm sure for her there's deep pain here and we need space to deal with deep pain we value grief and lament but i would also say that statement that she shared is just not true church is never designed to be done alone never Jesus invited us to one another, to this family, to the church who isn't perfect. And yes, there's areas that might need to change, but we were invited into community. Yes, there might be ghosts in the sanctuary. Yes, there might be time to leave a church, specifically around spiritual abuse, around emotional abuse, other forms of that. If there's a community that's moving away from the gospel, that would be a reason to leave a community. But when times are hard, we don't need to pull back. Like, if you've been in relationship with somebody who's close with you, and you've been able to forge through difficult times, what does that do? Does it make you stronger? Like, yeah. In marriage, when you go through hard times, if you can push through those, what happens? It forges a depth and a trust that wasn't there before, and yet in community, we hit these roadblocks, and then we just punt And we don't push through, forge through the difficulty out to the other side where there's actually a level of depth that you wouldn't have if you didn't push through those moments together. Does this make any sense? Okay. Again, our culture is providing an alternative vision for community. And then third, the invitation for us is to reset upon Jesus' vision for community. Again, in the first century, Jesus gave a profound vision about community and he likened it to the church. So in Ephesians chapter 1, we're, we're getting into Ephesians this fall, and it's going to be legit. And so be ready for it. And so a little spoiler alert, in Ephesians 1, there's some good stuff. And I'm going to read a couple verses to us. In Ephesians 1, 3, it says this. It gives a series of blessings that we have received. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined or destined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What are we hearing here? We're hearing that there's a father who destined ones to be in his family. Which means that as the church, we have been destined. Our destiny is that we have been adopted into a family of brothers and sisters. And this is the invitation that we are invited into in this vision of community as family. A new community has now been birthed that will go through highs and lows and difficulties. And if they press through together, it will forge them into a level of depth that they didn't have prior to. And we're invited into something so much bigger than ourselves. We're invited into this community together. No one can have God as Father who does not have the church as Mother. This is our invitation for us. There were two ingredients in the early church that scholars would say would become the, the bedrock for the movement of the church to spread throughout Asia Minor, to head north through Israel, and then to head uh, west all throughout Asia Minor. And the two Uh, ingredients of this explosion of the church were this first the message of jesus and the message of jesus liberation through darkness reconciling that you were once enslaved and now you've been rescued by jesus it was a message that was liberating these people throughout asia minor the first was the message of jesus and the second was the way the church behaved with one another it was something so profound that caused the explosion of the church in the first century by the spirit at work was this reality of brothers and sisters actually caring for one another in such a beautiful way that the outside world so saw the city on the hill. The outside world so saw the salt of the earth in the church that they gravitated towards the church because they wanted to be a part of this community of faith. And this was a part of the package that blew Asia Minor out of the water and caused the gospel to expand. And I look at the church today. I say, man, are are we adhering to similar behaviors of giving of ourselves? Not just our little tribe. That's not the call of Jesus, to just give yourself to an insulated tribe, but to missionally give yourself to one another, to see the gospel become a place of balm to this broken world. And that's what we want to lean into. That's the vision of community we want to offer to us. A vision that we could actually become. I just As I've been navigating through this series and just like rethinking about community together, I, I find my heart just like excited about the possibility of this small community actually walking out Christian community together in a hyper-lonely area To actually offer something to this area that would provide to this area a level of hope in this area, this area will not have apart from Jesus. That it wouldn't just be a vertical relationship that we have on Sunday, but it would be a horizontal relationship where we are laying down our lives for one another in such a way that people are drawn to a city on a hill in this community. I want to give myself to that. I want to be a part of that. I want, to, I want to pour my life out towards that end. And I know we feel busy. I know we feel like we have a lot on, a lot on our plate. But I will tell you this. If you give yourself to serve one another, you actually found, find your cup more full than not. Because giving of ourselves, we actually find Jesus. And in that place, we actually find hope and healing and life again. We have this opportunity that we can invite ourselves into as a community. So as I close... There are five things I just want to mention to you guys that we want to commit to as, uh, as community groups. We're going to mention these some next week as we enter into um, sharing who our community group leaders are. But I want to speak to these five values. The first is this, as community groups, we want to foster relationships. Like we actually want to have relationships formed and flourishing in our community groups. So there's going to be time where we have meals together, we have times when we get to know each other, we 're going to share our stories and our testimonies, the highs of that, and frankly, the lows of that. And in that, we actually are able to be grafted more closely together. We want to foster a depth of relationship with each other within community. Second, we want to commit to each other, which means this: we 're going to choose, if you want to be a part of a community, you actually have to commit to show up week in and week out. We 're not going to offer a "If it works out in your schedule, and if this week's good," and "No, we commit." to each other. We're going to buck against our culture that says kind of show up if you want to show up. And we're going to say, no, we're actually going to commit to each other because you know what hurts community more than anything else? Not knowing if people are going to show up or not. And so week in and week out, we're going to do this crazy thing called commit. It's wild. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. This idea of just showing up week in and week out. We're actually going to be there, show up. If it's a hard week, we're going to show up. Will you pray for me? This week was horrible. Okay. Let's actually do community together. And, and if, if you're strong, you're feeling great, let's show up and be ready to pray for somebody else. We're going we're gonna to choose to foster relationships. We're going to choose to commit to each other. Third, we're going to grow together. Like, we're not a country club. We're a community of people who follow Jesus. And because we're a community of people who follow Jesus, we are not ashamed of the fact that we want to follow Jesus together. So we're going to do that. Community group is an on-ramp for that, where we can actually um, grow in a level of depth together. To study the word together, to pray for one another that 's an expectation that you would find within these groups. The third or the fourth would be that we want to love our neighbors. Community apart from mission is no Christian community. Community apart from mission is no community because Jesus, at the heart of Jesus is one who wants to bring people together and send them out. so we want to pray for our communities as we gather. we want to pray for our world as we gather we want to serve locally. We want to support cross-cultural workers. We want to do that. We will do that within community groups together. And then along the way, we want to develop leaders. Our hope is that we would take um, the groups we have, and in the next 18 months, we double them. As we develop leaders within our groups, and um, our facilitators who lead the groups will maybe see strengths that people have within groups and and say, man, would you be interested in, in helping lead a group? And we'll go through a process of training and development, and we want to develop leaders from within Our groups, some of you who are not leading community groups, maybe in a year will be. Because in groups, you find that there's a gift you didn't know you had or you kind of suppressed since college. And you begin to see a desire to help that. We want to help you in that. We want to help you flourish in the giftings that you have. We want to help develop leaders. We want to commit to that. That, That's the vision. That's the heart here that we want to provide for you. And then there's other groups that we're going to talk about next week, uh, Bible studies, that have some of these values and some of them are different. But all in all, man, we want to offer an opportunity to be a distinct people. We want to offer an opportunity that we could actually be the family of Jesus that he called us to. And I know for you and me, I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle for some puny vision of community. And if we need a reset, I want to reset upon these one and others, this vision of this community as family, and allow that to be our guide as we move forward. And I pray that the spirit would breathe upon that and then, by his work, we'd actually become a city on a hill where people can show up here and feel loved and cared for. I pray that would be the case. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I want to thank you for this beautiful gift that just screams from heaven that you're not alone. The screams from heaven that we've been adopted into this family with a Father who cares. Lord, I ask you to draw near. I pray that you'd move among us, Lord. I pray that you would continue to bring comfort and healing and hope around community. I pray that as a body that we would sign up together. I pray that I know there's just an area of pride or selfishness that's just preventing us from submitting to this beautiful vision of community as family. I pray you'd give us humble hearts of repentance. Allow us to reset on your vision, not ours. We don't want our will. We don't want to write our own story. Lord, we want you to write our story as a community. Help us if we've settled. Help us to reset upon this. God, we give you thanks. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.